0: All oh, right. We're doing the Brain Trust podcast and my name's Adam Vasa, tabletop role-playing game designer in Grand Rapids, Michigan.
1: And my name's Willie yups, I'm a tabletop game designer in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's that time of year again. Oh, the oh, the oh. end of it. The end.
0: <laughs> that's look, look at That's your... baby New Year's famous laugh echoing out through the halls and uh they're getting ready to, maybe I, I was going to say pop out. That doesn't seem appropriate. They're about to pop off
1: this year. Baby New Year's <laughs> gonna...
0: ready to pop off 2023 <laughs> style.
1: <laughs> I uh, I hate New Year's, like the oh, yeah. holiday. I've never really, like the, the New Year's party into the next day, I've never liked that. Um, that might be clear to anyone just meeting me and intuiting what i'm like but you don't seem like much of a new year's kind of person to me uh, you seem like your favorite you like daylight savings more than new year's <laughs> which i do this year i made the conversion i like daylight savings time more than new year's did you and throw a I party this why? year i threw a huge party i got extremely drunk and i do not remember either daylight savings yeah um there's just an hour
0: of missing time that i cannot explain <laughs> <laughs>
1: for me i like to black out during the hour um so i'm really setting the clock face down is what i do but yeah for daylight savings uh we drop a hay bale um when it happens uh we do a big countdown and we all hang out in um the farmer's equivalent of Times square what could that be what's an interesting thing to say there four corners oh that's perfect (laughs) Four corners (laughs) geographically rhymes with times square for sure (laughs) yeah um they're both on ley lines i guess but no i like daylight savings because you don't have to make a bunch of goals you'll never do beyond february you don't have to like disappoint yourself into the next year i stopped doing like new year's resolutions too and everything like that instead of just making things like i want to do x more or i want to do y less things like that i want to do more ecstasy is what i'm saying (laughs) um but on daylight savings i can basically the only thing you do is reassess your sleep schedule and try and get just a little bit better sleep i
0: i find that i'm uh daylight agnostic that okay.
1: I, I sleep till I'm not tired, and I go to bed when I get tired. In having this job now as a full time game designer or publisher, the same, totally. Yeah, I don't and know I that it's you or good, but that's what I do. Yeah, I realize that I'm when I did have a full time job where I had to go somewhere and um, endure something all day that I hated. Um. Maybe I didn't like daylight savings so much, but I find it to be kind of restorative. You know, maybe this is what crystal people think about solstice is what I think about daylight savings. Um, yeah. Similarly
0: celebratory. I imagine there are crystals in my home, but I do not know
1: what they are. (laughs) I love that. Uh, Robert Heinlein story. Wait, who wrote that? Um, there are crystals and i do not know them um anyway how's it going what's up i'm sorry you left your crystals in the
0: freezer i ate them they were delicious (laughs) this might be the funniest episode we've ever done i gotta say so far
1: um do you what's your birthstone oh my mom would know um so i've just laughed in the background
0: (laughs) i'm googling it I still don't know. Uh let's see. Diamond. Your birthstone is diamond.
1: Shine bright like a diamond, baby. You picked you get diamond. That seems unfair. Like I feel like diamond shouldn't be part of the birthstone lineup. It says uh
0: according to daysjewelers.com that there are alternate birthstones uh for April because of the the, the cost issue. Um white <laughs>
1: topaz <laughs> and quartz. <laughs> My birthstone is microplastic. (laughs) Kind of um, a bezoar of microplastic is my birthstone. And so you just grab one of those out of the ocean. That's what you're thinking. Farewell.
0: Now, gemselect.com tells me my gemstone (laughs) is a bloodstone, and that does feel more appropriate for me. Yeah.
1: I feel like you could... When I think of Adam Vass, I could see, like, a diamond-encrusted skull, right? Okay, yeah. I feel like I can see, like, a bedazzled skull with some goop on it, and I think that's the perfect intersection of bloodstone and diamond. Yes. Um, so do you want to know my my real birthstone? Yeah. My real birthstone is conflict diamonds. <laughs> The, the more sketchy the provenance of stone, the more it is aligned with kind of my birth. Date. Yes, yeah. Um. <laughs> Who do you think invented these damn things? I like the idea of like, okay, you've got something in the stars that represent you and your birth date. And there's something underground, equally powerful, that we could find for you. Yeah, aren't gemstones like from space like they're like meteorite shit anyway. You know, we are all stardust. We're made of stars. <laughs> We're made of stars. I wish I was a little bit more made of stars, if you know what I mean. Supernova explosion destroying me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I yeah, I wish I was ma-
0: more star-like in that I'm precious. I would like to be a little bit more
1: symbiote, precious, kind metal. of more than I am now. Um. You know, morphing and glorping, this kind goop, of stuff. Goop. I want to absorb three other two-cost cards. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, I've been loving that location. This is, of course, the Marvel Snap segment of the show. Clintar <laughs> And, Glintar. and I was, of course, talking about Clintar. Clintar rules because I can play all my one-cost on-reveal cards there. And then after turn four, they turn into, like, a eight-power motherfucker.
1: And I can put more cards there. I like slapping down that creep that is a one-cost, seven-power card. Ebony Man? Ebony Man? Ebenezer Man. Um, Clintar sounds like an Emerson, Lake, and Palmer album. (laughs) Actually, a lot of Marvel stuff does. Like, I'm waiting until I get to collection level 2,000. And they're like, you finally got the last card. Tarkus, the tank. I, I just
0: crossed collection level 1,000. I hit
1: 1,000 the other day too. We are playing the same amount. It,
0: it you know it what? Did I make love? me
1: take a look at it though and go, huh? Huh? Why do these crates are a different color now? They give me the same shit. <laughs> Why does this crate that looks a different color feel like a little bit of the tarnish? Is there's more tarnish on this one? <laughs> I love Marvel Snap because I love playing games with my friends. And so Ab and I seemingly have played the same amount of Marvel Snap. You have to play a lot to get collection level 1000. I would say I probably have 5% of the cards is what it feels like. (laughs) Um, It's like how No
0: Man's Sky was when it launched where we're both playing online, but even if we're on the same planet, we cannot see one another
1: yeah it's it's a lot like superheroes in that we are two different superheroes in different universes doing things completely unrelated to each other but
0: effectively doing the same thing
1: the same thing um i would love to even know what my own username is to share with other people
0: uh mine is cyber event
1: oh yeah mine is i think tilly toot which is my online handle when i don't want (laughs) to go by my name but i've kind of ruined that now telling everybody here Marvel Snap is good, except when I lose or don't get a card I like, or someone is kind of sarcastic, or uh, I do a move, and then I set my turn, and then I want to undo that and reset my turn, but it's too late. I do that probably every day in Marvel Snap.
0: Yeah, um, that's a heartbreaking event. You've heard of Cyber Event. (laughs) Get ready for heartbreak event. Um, yeah, that happens to me often, mostly in the sequence of cards I play. Because they, Oh my god. I, I I have one deck that's based on the destroy function.
1: When you're trying to like get your Bucky to get the Nova bonus yep, yes, in exactly. a single symbiote. Yeah, we know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and it's like, okay, it you have to put Nova first. No, you have to put Bucky first. Bucky first. But other things, you want Nova first. This shit is fucking sucks. This game rocks. But, yeah, there's so many little things that, like, a Yu-Gi-Oh card would have the same amount of rules and elements, but it would be communicated to you in nine paragraphs on a single piece of cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also, you know,
0: I actually don't want to get into this on the show today because we have... Uh, some some big questions and big an- bigger answers, big questions bigger answers. We ha- the potential to roleplayify a lot of the mechanics in Marvel Snap is actually really exciting. Oh, that would be so cool! The locations I mean, and the, locations. the way that like certain things interact. Locations is the main thing, and I know I think Adam yeah. Bell was tinkering with something inspired by that uh, in the chat the other day. I, I you know
1: I actually played. In the bell hack with that mechanic where basically there when you get into a fight, there are landmarks and you your relationship to what landmark you're on and near and where the other ones are on depends on on that basically dictates how the combat works. So it's kind of like a point crawl, interesting combat thing. And I think the cool implementation that Adam did was that I was like a paladin character and I could make myself a location which was really cool. Anyway, that sounds the awesome. bell hack. The bell hack rocks. Even just the
0: logic transference from like grid-based combat to
1: point crawl combat. Yeah. That's like something there. An that's absolute huge. mind blast. Yeah, it's like in Blender when you kind of scroll on a degree and you get stuck there and you don't know how to get back. And so you're just kind of looking at something cockeyed for a while. Um, that's kind of the bell hack. <laughs> you just have a completely new perspective on it. But we're not talking about Marvel Snap, Marvelous Snap. We're talking about our end of the year 2022 brain trust wrap up. It's been a great, amazing year for everyone I know. <laughs> so. Let's say we take a break, come back, and answer some questions about what our top of 2022 was.
0: And we're back, baby. I'm thinking we're back. <laughs> I'm thinking we're back on the Braindrust podcast. Um, and it's the end of the year. It is the best of the year. This is where we put you got a little stinger. I don't want to make more work for you, but I'll make a little stinger. But the best of the year. Uh, everybody's favorite year end segment where we make things fight each other for our affection. Uh, where we do an informal
1: popularity contest no we have got some fun weird end of the year questions that hopefully will spark some conversation about kind of our game designer lives this year creative practices and kind of what what games and stuff we we chilled out with this year yeah and uh thank you to
0: the members of the brain trust discord for crowdsourcing some of these categories with us um as always the link to join the Discord is in the podcast notes.
1: And just in general, thank you so much to the Brain Trust Discord for being there all year. It's my favorite place to hang out online. It is. It's great. Also mine. Arguably the only it's... one that I do. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, my god. I have to add a question which is what's your favorite social media? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um you want to work our way down the list? You want to start top yeah. to bottom? All right. So we're starting off with a classic. The 2022 most useful randomizer of the year. My pick.
1: Randomizer. These are the things. We have to do a little speech. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, Randomizers connect us. In this world when- of chaos,
0: <laughs> We the one thing we all have in common is random
1: when I look out on this group of assembled people, I see randomizers. Um, Yeah, what was your most useful randomizer of the year? What randomizer did you find yourself going to, whether that's a spinner, dice, cards, credit card numbers, social security, something else? So
0: my most useful randomizer of 2022, by far uncontested, is Oracle Cards. Ooh. Uh... I've talked about this a little bit in the Discord. I'm not sure if I ever talked about it on the show, but one of my really, 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 really fruitful exercises in writing and design now is when I set up a mood board on Pinterest for a game that's like aesthetic stuff, tonal stuff, um, things that evoke the setting and the art and the layout and whatever, I will then take a bunch of these graphics, throw them in a 3x3 three three grid on InDesign and print them out as plain card size graphics. I cut those up, I make a deck and then I will like design spreads for myself or even um, like I did this with Cybermetal where I just say like here's the city and this like I knew what the districts were and I would just put like two cards face down on each district. I'd flip them over and I'd see, like, an Aldous Huxley book cover about LSD and, like, an old pulp fantasy book called Bloodworm, and then I would (laughs) use that to inspire me to write something about hallucinogenic worms that people cultivate here or something like that.
1: This is some deep Jerry's Map tech you are bringing into tabletop design. It is... I'm not exaggerating when I say...
0: Every project I've worked on for the last year is made possible by this. And my partner and I will do it together and like riff together, which is really fun. And Oh, that's so cool. She's not she's never played role-playing game stuff, so she's like not so much about the sort of acting or improv aspect of it when you She's not compromised like we are. <laughs> but when we do this, she's like beyond creative like so it unlocks something in her and it's, and she's someone who uh reads tarot cards and does sort of like that interpretation stuff already so like last night we we designed the dungeon crawl for soul burner and we used um regular like classic tarot do- deck and this card of just flowers and like um a little book on, like, what each flower is and how they grow and what they sort of represent. And we use that to stylize the the rooms of this old church that our players are going to be crawling through. So That is so cool. The, I the combination that to... Sorry, the combo of, like, flower card X tarot card or Pinterest board X number or whatever. Like, just having two factors makes everything... Like, the the possibilities multiply. And I put some of this in the Cyber Metal book, too, on how you can use tarot cards to make your own gangs and stuff. And Soulburner Burner is very influenced by this from mission generation, location generation, creature generation. It's all their unique tarot spreads. So um, this, like, changed my design philosophy.
1: The fucking rules.
0: I love to hear that. <clears throat> Uh, What's your most useful randomizer
1: of 2022? Okay, like you, I think that I'm going to take it into... I was going to initially say like a randomizer I used in a design for a game, but I like it much more. The actual randomizer element I got the most use out of. And I think like you, I also like home cooking a lot. So for me, it is the random generators i built in google sheets to content write and game design games like big grave and heckheads and heckhead um and that comes in the form of like big grave uh, is a game all about fashion and how you look and your style and how you feel um so the more stylish you are the more powerful you are and so getting items is a huge part of that So I made several just gigantic random generators to just explore the design space where I could input a bunch of values and just get spit out a lot of interesting stuff. So I have it like on the game design side, which is like this item goes into this slot, it's this style, it has this description, and it has this effect, whatever. That kind of stuff. But I also made a huge one of just words I liked and use this as like a template or just a repository of cool words for the descriptions because every item in big grave has a two word description, a two adjective description, um, that kind of gives you the vibe. So you as the player can interpret it however you want, because the game is not about telling you about the cool clothes you have. It's about giving you the opportunity to invent these cool clothes. Um, And I used it just basically for every inch of this game is using Google Sheets random generation and procedural generation. And it's the gift that keeps on giving. It is like my odd jobs hat in GoldenEye for... (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. For uh, game design. Like, it's going to break... I think like with the tarot cards with you or your own Oracle cards, it breaks me out of any method of thinking that i was coming at something and i can i'm forced to be fresh and see something i don't otherwise understand we're like it seems like we're both doing our own brian eno oblique absolutely strategies yeah (laughs) to like figure stuff out which is i think that's great i think that shows like a level of care and respect that we have for our own creative practices that we want to shock ourselves into cool ideas
0: i think too it mirrors the experience of play in a way that we often feel divorced from as designers um because we're writing mechanics and rules and they have to be somewhat rigid by the nature of like they're the scaffolding that holds up your story but in offering ourselves that opportunity to surprise ourselves or in the like in a collaboration like surprise one another that is that sort of special sauce that we often talk about that comes in play that makes yeah
1: role-playing feel so fun and unique it's like the promise of role-playing games is that you can truly have a good idea like that you can have (laughs) an idea good enough that you could just use and and hang out with and make the cornerstone of your story or your character and whatever. And RPGs are just doing that a billion times, just having a billion good ideas and getting to appreciate that they're good. And so, yeah, like you said, bringing that into the design zone, it's great. So, Oracle Cards and Google Sheets Random Generation. Uh, let's move on to the next category. <laughs> All right, we have... For the Brain Trust, end of the year 2022, what is our character of the year? That's right.
0: We we're, we're a bunch of characters here on the show, and you <laughs> listeners will will know uh, and heartedly agree. Uh, will and I, couple of crazy characters.
1: We're so kooky. Um, I'll we'll do Snake Order, so I'll take it this time. Great. Uh, my character of the year is from a TV show, and I would love if more people heard about this show um the people who made it just its impact on the world but it is John Locke from Lost for me for this year big year for John Locke 2022 huge year for John Locke I rewatched Lost this year and uh I'll tell you what I hated Half the cast, more than I've ever hated them. I'm talking Jack and Kate. Oh, my God. Insufferable. Couldn't, literally couldn't stand them. And John Locke was just like a spa day whenever he was there, whenever it was a focus episode. um, What I what I like most about him is his vibe and the way he talks and what he does and his actions. Uh, but I think uh, from like a design perspective... Uh, Lost is, if you haven't watched it, um, at this point, nothing I could say could convince you. But the characters, uh, each episode will have a different focal character. Where they will focus on this character's time on the island while inters- like intersplicing scenes from their time before the island in a flashback. Later in the show, they do the opposite where they do flash forwards and things like this. They do funky stuff. But during Locke's episodes, they are very good at developing his character in two different directions. So you see Locke on the island as this kind of newly sun life reborn. He has this kind of more cosmic perspective than he did, and he acts in this like very interesting, surprising, and warm and genuine way. And in the flashbacks, you see how his life has made him into a hard, unpleasant man. And so you are going in both directions, further away from the point where they meet up in the middle, where he has this transformation. And I just think about that all the time. I just really love that magic trick that they do on almost every episode uh, that Locke is a part of. Anyway... That's that's me for Lost. My favorite Lost character slash character of the year, is <laughs> John Locke.
0: Um, and you know what can what can be said about John Locke that hasn't already been said in the? When did that show end? Two um, thousand and hundred years ago, I think.
1: Um, still good. Still, still surprising. Good.
0: Still things to learn from it.
1: His first appearance on the show, uh, the orange slice kid walt looks at him and he turns around and does this big grimacing smile and he's got an orange slice there uh and it's just great um my uh character of the year
0: from hibbets and heimer toy company is a two inch tall little guy with a pumpkin head and a top hat he's like uh it's black resin uh his toes are sticking out of his shoes he's wearing a trench coat and he's got just a big old o lantern smile um pumpkin head i love this little dude i got him in a mystery box or mystery bag when they did halloween uh uh like party favors and he sits on my shelf above my computer i see him just tipping his hat at me all day, giving me those good vibes. And I did get to play him in a role-playing game. Uh, what game did we play?
1: Was uh, We played Into the Odd yeah. uh, on an OSR Saturday morning with Adam Bell. And, yeah, you played a Creepy Little Pumpkin Guy.
0: Yeah, I just... And Into the Odd, we might talk about later. But hey. um, sort of setting agnostic, character agnostic in a way. And I just needed something to grab onto, and I saw his little smiling face. I have a coincidentally a like very kind of cursed looking smiling jack o' lantern figurine that I made right next to him. So I'm kind of inundated with these smiling Halloween figures. Um, it's a it's a good vibe. Yeah. Um, but that was really seen, fun. Uh, that's sort of like a thing I like about game style improv is just like. Looking around my space, and we've talked about this a lot of times on the show, just, like, finding inspiration in the shit on my desk. You know? I have a a packet of seeds next to me, wildflower seed mix. That came in a card pack of, like, oracle cards about plants. And, uh... That rocks. That's just, like... And it's next to uh, a tape measure, a low-polygon skull, and a bowl of ramen Christmas ornament that I got. (laughs) (laughs) So, like... You know, I could tell a story with these four things, and that's fun, and that's like part of this sort of secret sauce of role playing to me. So, uh, my character of the year, a little little pumpkin from uh, the H H toy company,
1: and we will have our full answers all over the place, all over the place. I mean, on our show notes, so if you want to check those out, um, pumpkin kid, super cute. H&H, that's on Instagram too, right? That's where you can get them?
0: Uh, Yes, let me find. It's HH underscore toys underscore INC. Cool. Uh, hey, you got the next you one. Wanna, okay, great. Um, the worst work in progress. This is uh the best worst of the year, 2022. What is... So I think this is an interesting, like in a lot of, um, a lot of this sort of what we're doing is like, how do you quantify yeah. something? What makes something the I'll pull back the curtain worse? a little bit.
1: Like I put this on here because it's something that we were working on that was the most grueling or in some other way, just like kind of was a horror show to make either at one step in the process or the whole time or, you know, whatever something that just really felt like stepping over a giant barbed wire fence to finish
0: yeah uh and that's interesting cause i think my unfortunate answer is Soulburner. burner <laughs> um it's a game that i felt like i knew what it was back in march and april when we started making it we did the kickstarter in april with the intent of publishing it in like july um it is now December and it is not out yet. Uh Cyber metal really took over my brain for longer than expected and yeah. was well worth it like is feels like my opus kind of. Um and Soulburner really took a back seat to just all the other stuff I had to do and wanted to do. And so Soulburner really suffered for that. But then by the time I came back to it in s- September really Um, it was a different game and I had different perspective on what I wanted it to do, what I wanted it to say. The setting itself didn't really change. And a lot of the sort of like elevator pitch did not change, but the way I approached it completely changed and it's a much better game now. It took me doing that to get excited about it and to want to finish it. Yeah. And then like, as of like last night, I finished writing it. So, um it's no longer a work in progress but the work in progress phase of it sucked yeah so worst worst whip for me is also it, and it's a shame because i only did two games really this year is soul burner and cyber metal so like cyber metal is definitely my my own game of the year but soul burner came out great yeah, and I think I mean that journey the makes me of the whip appreciate has... it too. Like the the lows
1: <laughs> to highs are dynamic. Yeah. Sometimes you, and this is something I learned from an art podcast I listened to. But sometimes you have to take a, an artistic project through every single stage of development. So, like some projects only get to be teenagers, and some get to be old old men. And so, like, I feel like Soul Burner lived through so many artistic periods for you, like, in its own creation, that it got to be its full thing. Totally. And I think that's that's huge. And it's going to be agonizing. And so it's like the agony and ecstasy of of that kind of stuff. It definitely
0: mirrors the character journey of, like,
1: (laughs) you cannot die. (laughs) Every
0: part of you is, like, this reminder of some past failure of yours. And eventually you're gonna get real big and strong and you're gonna turn into like volcanic rock crystals and shit and that's where i feel like i am now
1: you should include like a letter from the author or something like that in the back which is like sometimes art imitates whips (laughs) (laughs) um worst whip of the year 2022 for me um i worked on a ton of games this year i actually just did my um like i'm going on vacation tomorrow at time of recording and so i just kind of took a snapshot of all of my projects where they are what i wanted to do in 2023 my goals and my plans and stuff and there are a bunch of projects on there which is cool we can talk about this later if you want but the one that I circle around, my worst work in progress on the in the process, like this work in process, work in progress thing, has got to be Heckhead, for sure. Um, this is, for those of you that don't know, is my Gamma World, um, NSR, Weirdo Freaks in the Mutant Apocalypse send-up, and so you play a bunch of mutated freakazoids and... Um, Living in a post apocalyptic gonzo world, kind of after my experiences running Gamma World uh, in a cool West Marches type thing in the Brain Trust. And I say it's the worst because I have cooked this game from cold probably five times. Yeah, we've been playing
0: a version of this (laughs) in 2019. Yes.
1: And I have I had to do so many things to like get at what I wanted to make um, for this. And I'm not even talking about just the design, which went through a full I rebaked the cake probably five times. So I'm talking about also the graphic design identity and title logo type stuff for this or even the title. Like I took the S off that's how bad i got with this <laughs> shit i'm using blender to make stuff i spent so long and it's something i want to have out for Zine Quest 2023 and i'll be doing playtesting the brain trust i say it's the worst whip because i'm on the other side now where i have like basically frozen the graphic de- or the uh game design elements and whatever um and just have to do the content and mutation writing before but yeah this just went i just wasn't satisfied with it until I've found the current state it's in, which is this very loosey-goosey, freaky NSR system. Um, at the point I'm at now, everything in the game has 10 hit points. Uh, there is a big troubled track that you fill up, and then you get, like, an escalation dice on the table that adds to everything. There is Fallout. Um, there's Fallout 4. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, there's kooky, strange mutations and skills and stuff, but it went from a game that would have asymmetrical stats, would have backgrounds that give you those stats, backgrounds that give you different things into like taking out stats, taking out to, to hit. There's just like so many iterations that this went through that I feel like other games don't have this much like getting a new slab of marble to carve out a guy and just quitting. And then like, I could do this better again. Then I feel like every time it got a little bit closer to what I wanted, but it was just agonizing. I was like, I can't believe how much I am starting this over to get what's in my mind's eye. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Have you ever had something like that? Um,
0: it's, I have that a lot with drawing with graphic design I don't get it as much with writing because I think partly uh, I write so fast that I don't give myself the opportunity to question it, Mm, especially with like Patreon releases or games we make on the show or like smaller projects. I just go, yeah, fuck it. That sounds cool. (laughs) And if it doesn't work, I'm not like heartbroken or if it doesn't match my intent exactly. I'm not heartbroken versus something like like cyber metal, which needed to be what I needed it to be.
1: But um, it's definitely like a draftsman style process on making this. every time I like,
0: open Photoshop or InDesign or any kind of like visual task, I do what you're describing.
1: Yeah, and I can tell you how I like broke out of it. I went back for like when when I was on the fourth time, kind of throwing out mechanics or just trying different stuff. I then went to like this is why it's great to have a document inside of whatever your game design thing is for me at Scrivener and it was like here are my goals and then here are the games I want this game to be in conversation with to hit those goals I think once I boiled it once I boiled it down to that very atomic state I was able to make something that I felt like achieved those goals because I would, I would build something and then go back and look at those goals and be like, okay, it didn't really hit this. And it didn't hit it in such a way that I wouldn't want to put this out or play this, you know, really. I wouldn't want this to be my last word on this. So, yeah, finding, like, just revisiting your goals document to make sure the version of you that liked this idea six months ago is having a conversation with a different person who is writing it now and they have some agreement i think that that's that's how i got through uh
0: let's throw a quick break here and then we'll do a bunch of maybe shorter
1: answers Uh, And we're back on the Brain Trust Podcast with some rapid-fire end-of-the-year 2022 questions. Uh, Adam, I gotta know, what is your clutchest graphic design asset of the year? Uh,
0: This one is a, uh, as always, hotly contested category uh, for both of us. (laughs) And... My personal what? graphic design asset of the year for uh, the, maybe the third year running. Maybe uh, this is a it's a it's a heavy hitter for me. It is the black market scratch and dust pack. Ooh. Um, I almost was gonna just say my the black market subscription, uh, because of how I use it every day. Uh, it is well worth it it's expensive it's i get a little sticker shock every time i i remember or like resubscribe or whatever but black market blk market uh they make so much good stuff they're putting out photoshop plugins they're putting out textures and and packs of assets um like every month if not every week and After buying two or three packs a year, I just realized I would save money, actually, if I just subscribed. But um, my number one used pack is the Scratch and Dust pack. It is a big folder. There's probably 40-something assets in here. Black background with white-ish scratches and dust and noise. And uh, you might recognize it from A Guide to Casting Phantoms in the Revolution the box is covered with these. <laughs> it uh, looks so good. I use it in Cyber Metal. I use it in Necronautilus. I use it almost always. I throw it as a top layer in any visual pack uh, set to screen mode. So just the scratches and come through just a little bit just to add some
1: like physicality to my visual art. That's Adam's clutches graphic design asset black market really rules it's so good Uh, for me my clutches graphic design asset is this is gonna be a controversial one it's going to be a combination of a physical ruler and a shape tool to make a square okay follow me I typeset books this year measuring out other books I liked with a ruler, divining the secret of the universe among those pages, and then taking those measurements into Affinity Publisher, making a kind of universal measurement square, and then placing that square all around the page to get those beautiful, perfect angles, and to give me the bounds and the information for what the type designer's we're doing for these different books. Um I love that. I also have been known to
0: take a ruler to something I like and just riff in that way.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm like combining um Oh my god, what's Clayton's last name? Notstein? Yeah. I'm combining Clayton Notstein's advice which is just like grab a ruler in a book and go to town. Measure whatever you want. Who cares? As long as you're just analyzing it. And then also the Dread Labs poster layout advice, which is oh, that little making these, thing. making this little square, and then making a square that's twice as big as that, and one that's four times as big as that. And these are your like grid. You're kind of making an improvised grid for this stuff. And I do this for everything at this point. It is so useful. It lets me just detach my brain. I'm barely making choices. I'm just like using a specimen, putting the stuff there, and it allows me to get all of the the <laughs> etiquette out of the way, so I can be creative with stuff. Uh, Ruler and a square for me. Big fan
0: rulers, and you know squares. One of the best. One of the best shapes of the year. It's
1: perfect. Perfect shape. Uh, oh, my shape of the year. Let's just very quickly shape of the year. Um, Mine is the Pringle.
0: Oh yeah, the notoriously a one-dimensional shape, like the Möbius strip of potato chip.
1: Yes, I just watched a talk. Uh, there's this meme that went around in the art community that was like, the hidden fundamental is Pringling and rePringling your art, and it's this whole. <laughs> And then this artist goes on a full talk uh, that I can link in the show notes about how to use the Pringle as, like, a dynamic shape that you see both the uh, top and bottom of, unlike other primitive shapes like uh, cylinders and cubes and pyramids and stuff like that, Um, cones. And... I then filled up an entire sketchbook for, like, two nights just of trying to draw Pringles. And I f- it felt like it really opened up something in my mind, uh, which I love. So that's my shape of the year is the Pringle. Uh,
0: my shape of the year, uh, the Klein bottle of... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> of course, um, it is, it is like, the three-dimensional Mobius strip. Like, it's the vase that goes in itself, so there's no boundary, and there's uh, no, like, oriental... It's just like
1: infinite space, so you see a Klein bottle, and I actually see two people kissing, so that's the <laughs> that's the thing uh next up, favorite font of the year uh, I feel like we're gonna have the same answer here. I'm gonna be totally honest, no, we're not mine <laughs> it uh, and I would argue this might actually be the best font
0: of the last year. Uh, I think it might have kind of fallen out of favor a little bit this year, but my answer is Glacier by Half Moon Type. Um, you know it from uh, the Night Yeast zine, it's in a bunch of Merkborg oh, stuff. Yeah. It is kind of this uh, really accessible, cool, readable, wavy guy that makes things kind of immediately read as psychedelic or otherworldly. Um, you see it a lot in, like, any acid fantasy stuff. Uh, you probably have seen it.
1: Uh, Glasher, good one. I love that. I, I just looked it up and I've totally... This is such a modern uh, psychedelic type that it is going to be basically the wave that we look back in 30 years and be like, this is when this started.
0: Yeah, I, I know the first time I saw it was the first issue of Night Yeast. And then I immediately tracked it down, started using it myself. I know I've used it on some Law Dispute merch. Uh, I see a lot of people using it now. It is,
1: it's great. It's a workhorse for the psychedelic freaks. Speaking of workhorse, my top font of the year for 2022 is Work Sands by Wei Huang. Type designer from Australia, Work Sands is um, a exactly what it sounds like. If you need work done, Work Sans is going to get in there and make it happen for you. It's hey, here's the here's the things about it. It's free. Go on Google Fonts right now, grab Work Sans. It's going to do everything you want Helvetica to do. It's going to do everything you want just a classy sans type to do. It gets out of the way. It wants your words to be the the focus without distractions from um, you know, anything Work Sans. I really like the italicized and bold type that I'm using on Adam's recommendation, uh, for the subtitle for a big, Grey fashion fantasy because it looks editorial. It looks classy and fashionable, but it's about the words. I love it.
0: Uh, I don't want to, uh, yuck anybody's yum, but I've actually been using open sans lately.
1: Ooh, I like Open Sans too. I don't know that Do I would be
0: able to tell the difference side by side.
1: So I think that's all. All of the good things good. you
0: say about Work Sans, I would also say about Open Sans. That's the point of it. I will They're say for both lovely. of these, I
1: I scrunch them together. I'm gonna want to put these fonts a little bit closer than they normally are, but that's just a taste thing. Same. You can really salt to taste for these. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, well, you're you're the next in the snake lead. Next up, we've got. From Adira Slattery of the Brain Trust, favorite zoo animal? Uh, uh f- Damn, for me, my favorite zoo animal? I haven't been to the zoo in a long time. Um, So I think I'm going to use the animals I see on TikTok to kind of stand in for zoo animals. Yeah,
0: it's sort of the 2022 zoo.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to have to either say, I'm going to go with the mad emu who wants to kill the owner. I like it. Uh, Have you seen this this creature? I haven't. Basically, this this woman goes on TikTok into her barn and is just um, talking about something, and then her emu will fully charge her every time she gets on a video. <laughs> every time she looks away, and she will stop the emu just in time every time.
0: Uh, going with it's the tic- pure drama. Going with the TikTok. Uh, thing I'm gonna go ahead and say my zoo animal of the year is a capybara uh Ooh. they really had a, a year this year the, the capybaras um on the internet they're
1: just they make a fucked up noise right big
0: round chillin dudes uh very very calm stoic face I've seen one belly flop in water and that was very charming Oh, so. that's cute. Uh, next up, our favorite dice result, and
1: and this is from Ratweave Kayla on the Brain Trust. You know, <laughs> we are
0: we are sharing a Google Doc, and I just put it in so Will could see it. <laughs> My yeah. favorite dice result twenty twenty two is, of course a one. Uh, you know, only the 20-sided die can yield a 20, which is, of course, a crazy feeling that everybody loves to feel. But, every die can result in a one. And, I think, in terms of uh, emotional attachment to a dice result, nothing beats a one. Yeah. On a roll under, it's the great feeling. On a roll over, it's a terrible feeling. But it is the most evocative feeling-based
1: dice result. <laughs> you know, I feel like getting a 1 on a roll under is kind of the most powerful feeling you can get from dice because first you're we've been programmed by big Hasbro to know that 1 is the worst thing possible. And when you play a roll under system, you're fighting your latent programming to appreciate that as a crit. So you see it and you're like, "Oh, I I have Oh, you go on a journey error. I'm gonna die and then you see that one again you see everybody's reaction time's slowing down and you know this is a huge critical success that's that's good I like that. I think too
0: I am so, good nah we're gonna you go rapid fire let's go no, you're next
1: no go ahead go ahead you were gonna say
0: something even before. one on a damage die even a one on a fallout die like one is always going to Poke ya. It's going to give you an emotional yeah. reaction,
1: and that's what we play games for. It, one is the emotions. Like th- That's proof that games can, are f- art and feelings, is a one on a dice. So next time you roll a one, just know that you're participating in a larger, um, almost political movement among games. Uh, my favorite result on a dice is when you roll a d100... And you get a zero and two more zeros on that thing. Ah, yes. Yeah, that, Do you, that is a 100 you s- result, correct? To, like- um, No, it's not. Okay. But it's the opposite of a one. You think you have gotten a 100 result. I think. So here's the thing. I don't actually know what this result means. And every time I've rolled this in a game or my players have rolled this when we're playing Big Grave... Uh, rolling on a random item chart. We have to stop and have a discussion about what we think this I
0: means. Am, this, I actually uh, will put this explicitly in a, a rules text if I'm using D100. <laughs> that 000 is 100 because, or I will say, like, you're rolling D100 to yield results between 1 and 100 because it doesn't make sense that you would get 0 to 99. Like no dice have a zero result,
1: but so the zero means ten on the ones dice, and the zero zero means oh. it is the one the zero. It's in the tens. It's in one. To yeah, nine. I don't disagree with the fuckery at play, <laughs> but I do every time. I do make it every time clear I see- in my design. Hopefully that this is. Zero zero zero. I'm saying, what the fuck am I looking at? Like, this is the way <laughs> I don't know what this is. It is Tim Robinson in the car saying, I don't know how to drive. I'm really scared right now. <laughs> if you do know, please write in. Thank you. Uh, next up on the top of 2022 is Best Snack. This is from Kayla again. Thanks, Kayla. Uh, Oh, you're up here. Oh. um, My snack, it's, it's December, so I am uh, back in the grasps of candy canes again. But I think I'm going to go with a snack that uh, helped me out a little bit more this year than any other snack. Uh, that has got to be friggin' almonds. Well, how Shout about- out
0: to the almond. Shout out to all the pear. My snack of the year is El Matador brand tortilla chips, the yellow bag. They're from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Their factory is down the street, and they are just banging classic yellow corn tortilla chips. That's the best shit. I don't even need to dip them in stuff. I will. A good corn chip
1: is, like, on another planet.
0: I have to go to the bathroom, but we're, like,
1: so close, (laughs) I feel... Okay, let's we'll go ahead and take a All break. Right. Come back and get some more chips. We are back on the Brain Trust podcast. Uh, this is going to be a double wide episode, apparently, and we are going to get through these last six or seven questions. Snack, we did immaculate vibes. Now, for immaculate
0: vibes, are we? Go- is
1: it a role playing game? Yeah. What do you think, role playing game or just thing in general? <laughs> uh, thing in general.
0: Uh, I mean, all, all right. I'm going to put it out there. My immaculate vibe of the year is Frankenstein. Uh, I got a new dog, a second dog, uh, Bean's brother, Frankenstein. We got him about a month ago. Very chill, very cuddly, very silly. He's got a dopey face that looks like he's always smiling. Um, and immaculate vibes, Frankenstein. That's a very
1: beautiful, immaculate vibe. Big fan. I'm going to go the other way and say that my immaculate vibe of this year is when my teammates in a game of Warhammer Darktide are all downed, and I'm facing off against the Horde by myself with my Zealot. Uh, and I've got a big, crazy sword, and I'm fucking screaming. Uh, and I solo carry the game knowing that everyone is watching my screen. And. That I am just cooking. I'm fully cooking out there. I think that for me, the uh, the Warhammer Darktide 40k clutch is my Immaculate Vibe. Love it. Love to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Um Okay, next up, also from Dan Phipps. Thanks for the questions, Dan. Uh, is most tone. What has the most tone? Let's go with game. This really feels like a game. So war. I think this might have actually come out last year. But my answer –
0: actually, I think I remember – no, I did Camelot last year. I feel like I can't do it then. I was going to say Long Haul 1983. uh, Well, you can say Tattoo. Tattoo is full of tone. I haven't read it, so I feel like I'd be copping out. Oh, my God. I have a printed zine that I I printed. It's just, like, in my stack next to my printer. Uh, So I haven't got to that yet. But SPC, Sean, PC – The tr- the Long Haul 1983 though has so such a rich tone. All right, did this uh I'm going to go with I think this was this year. Um scrolling down
1: to see That's uh Sean Patrick Kane. You can find both those games and Fake Chess um over at scp.itch.io that is spc.itch.io Long Haul Tattoo the whole catalog. That's that's got the tone tone is
0: off this one is I I think it's this year it's close enough to this year we're doing uh, Virati Avaletti's Blood Blood Beam Badlands yeah very rich in tone very cool weird perfectly freaky shit Uh, vampires kind of weird westy different take on vampires there's guns just
1: uh what that's the one um for me, my most tone uh and I think this is also a little bit immaculate vibes um but more blasphemous vibes gotta be cyber metal twenty twelve by Adam Vass this game is the most drippingest tone filled. And the tone is often screeching feedback out of amplifiers that have been melted with blood, and then there's a guitar with a keyboard on it that's sticking <laughs> out of it. I can just kind of freestyle a description, and it is cyber metal. Um, this game's killer. You've heard about it in this podcast, but every page is so filled with um, both like the kind of in-your-face level of screaming hellions and y2k apocalypse but also each page like also has secret elements from either adam's life or hometown or different references the art is just so intricate and filled with uh just little gizmos and widgets (laughs) and Uh, that's so much of it is feeding the whole, um, that that's just got to be the most tone and the best tone, gonna say it. Thank you so much. I'm honored. Shit is true. I do think that game is going
0: to end up being my, like, greatest thing. I, and I, I'm going to keep making them and hoping for that, but, like, I can't, that just is me in a, in a book, in every facet, so, and it's... Hell and you're yeah. the only other person in the credits, so that is such a very cool accomplishment, too.
1: Yeah! <laughs> um, yeah, I think you're going to you're gonna make incredible stuff forever, so you know what? I'm just glad I get to read them.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, I'm introducing this one. It is the uh, fan service, but it's the fans who are us. What is our favorite Brain Trust episode? Yeah, ha- of 2020. You have one? Uh, I think for me, yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm looking at the titles of them. Um, I always love pretending to be at Gen Con. <laughs> it's a classic. I think that's the most, the most like, the bit doesn't get old for me. And I think why I like it so much. So these are. The two episodes, uh, Live at the Tailgate, Gen Con 2022, and Live at the GAZ, which is the Gen Con Autonomous Zone (laughs) in 2022. Um, And in the first one, we pretended to be there wicked early and setting up. So we just created a new world of gamers who tailgated Gen Con. And then the other one is we did a kind of anti-con against Gen Con inside of there. And um, those are just so much fun. And a part of it is that people that don't listen to the podcast but see that I tweet about them will be like, hey, how is Gen Con? (laughs) Oh, you're going to have to listen to the podcast to find out. All my thoughts are there inside the podcast. Um, One of these days we will actually do a a podcast at Gen Con, and we will pretend to not be there. Um, So I think that – anyway, those are my favorites. Uh, My top –
0: uh, my top brain trust episode of the year is Games Jam from February 2022. Um, I just love chocolate and peanut butter together. You know, yeah. Uh, taking two things that seem like they shouldn't go together and s- watching and like figuring out how to make them go together. And that was just a f- the jam was really fun. All the entries were really clever. Us brainstorming it on the show was really fun. I always I always love walking away from an episode with design ideas like that i can use or that we can repurpose or publish or whatever and uh games yeah, Jam, i think I, we made three I, cohesive games
1: i love making the tech on the show yes. with you it is like a pleasure it's the best you're my favorite co-host on the brain Trust and podcast. you're mine 2022 co-host wow. of the year are one another uh and very special shout out for to Aaron King being on our Wonder Cabinet episode, and that was a blast. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much to Aaron. Um, favorite game you
0: read? I think I might have the same answer as you. So we'll just let's <laughs> say it at team the same team, time. Uh, three, two, one, into the odd by Chris into McDowell. the odd, Blah, blam blam, into the odd. We mentioned it briefly earlier in the favorite character segment, but it's just such a slick motherfucker. The new edition uh, has this gorgeous layout and art by Johan from the Merkborg family from Stockholm Cartel. It makes the book super readable, super referenceable. There's this, like, gilding and the edge of the page so you can know what section you're in. Uh, Love that. And the color coding of that is really intuitive and easy. There's so many novel ideas in these unassuming places, right? Like we mentioned earlier, it's setting agnostic, but they'll put a list of 100 like magical artifacts in here or whatever. And each one of them sort of sparks this whole mental journey of like, what world makes this? Who makes, why do I want this? What, what do I do when I have it? And it is, The least you can write to inspire the most thought i think in terms of like hyper light game with so much thought in it as a designer
1: and a player yeah i totally agree i mean there it is just a collection it shows me that a game can be a collection of like your 40 best ideas whittled into perfect little bullets and all shot out of a gun Um, in a second and like there's the book wants you to explore how the book is and the mechanics are so deceptively simple and elegant and i feel like it's a game for game designers you know like it's showing us what is possible with simplicity and that's been my game design journey for the last few years So much so that I have a part in my manuscript writing process, which is a simplification pass to get it even closer on a language level and on like a complexity level. How am I introducing ideas? Where are my ideas structured? What is the contents of these ideas? Putting that into my process from into the odd first edition and then also the updated edition and how... Even sleeker everything is.
0: Let's zoom on into the video game zone.
1: Our video games um, of the year 2022. Yes. Um, okay, we have to go. It just says video game zone. Um what's a friggin' game you liked this year? Uh I'm going to go ahead and say uh,
0: Horizon Forbidden West was my game okay. of the year. Um, I spent a lot of time there. I really enjoyed it. I hope that there's DLC. Like I would continue to play it. Um, I just love the Horizon games. I love the setting. It's visually stunning. There's just so much cool thought in it. And... I think there's a it get the gameplay is a little bit repetitive but like in a way that never feels bad or boring. I just like
1: really love hanging out there. Nice. Uh, uh my game of the year, we got Elden Ring this year. We got uh that new God of War, but I think the game that I think it's most indicative that I played a game and then immediately when I finished it I started it up to play it again and that was Citizen Sleeper which is a very special little game that is based inside of tabletop mechanics so anybody that's listening to it that hasn't checked it out it's a quick very cool uh, narrative adventure game that uses dice mechanics um, in a very cool way the setting is radical. It's kind of like a in-space, cyberpunk, uh, social, economic, um, community story, basically, is what I would say. And the art is incredible. The writing is really good. Um, Citizen Sleeper, for me, I think was the only good metric I can give you is that I finished it and immediately started a new character to... To get the rest of it, like, because you don't get everything on a single playthrough. Uh, you want to take cool? It? Yep. Let's uh, work. next up, we have uh, deep from the social media recession. Adam, what is your favorite social media alternative? Whether that's another social media site, uh, or just an alternative from doing it all together. My favorite social media alternative 2022 is, of
0: course. The coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> love to chill at the coffee shop. Love to work there. Uh, from, work from there, rather. I uh, sit at the bar. I write my little games. I draw my little baubles. I am I would say there's a 70% chance on any given day that I'm going to see somebody I know come through. Say what's up. Catch up, maybe. Or just say hi. That's the uh, social media alternative
1: Of the year from me, the coffee shop. That rules. Um, You're basically like a artist in residence. (laughs) Absolutely, I spend. You should totally almost every day. Grant from the city. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For me, my favorite social media alternative is playing RPGs with my friends scheduling rpgs to play and having appointments several times a week on one day i have my play test on another day i'm in an internet army that goes and fights in games of planet side 2 that's cool and i have just another casual game that is every week or every other week or whatever and these appointments i think a lot like um being at the coffee shop is just a way for me to connect with people and hang out and not live inside of the panopticon of, uh, social media or deciding which one is the right one or, you know, whatever, just hanging out with my friends.
0: Dope. Uh, that
1: shit rocks.
0: And we're at our grand finale, the final category on the list of this year is the most outlaw role-playing game <laughs> submitted by Dan Phipps right under the wire. Um, this is a tough one. What uh, do you have anything in mind? This, so this one came in while we were recording. I, so I've given it no thought. You know what? I've got so, one. But, but I, if you have one, hit. Oh, it. go for it. Uh, Minus Torque by Will Ooh. Yopst. Ooh. Uh, I'm thinking it, it, in addition to the sort of. There, there's so many ways in which this game is an outlaw the ways in which torque is an outlaw the setting is apocalyptic but it's not like uh, i don't know like hell <laughs> uh, <laughs> the mechanics are completely unique they're not they're like clearly inspired by board board games and other things and then there's like the phased play that's really neat and cool And it lets you really make the experience you want out of it. Um, Visually is stunning. The layout really is inspiring. Uh, It's in every way an outlaw because it doesn't care what your preconceived notions of any of these aspects of the game are. And it just is entirely its thing through and through. Without... There's, like, a reference for its inspiration, but it is, uh, like, uniquely standalone experience. Wow. Thank you so much. That means a lot. You can yeah, get it at goodluckpress.co, torque Rally Raid role-playing by
1: my co-host of the year, Will Yopes. <laughs> and my co-host of the year, Adam Beth. You can get uh, copies at World Jam, too. Those oh, cool. yeah. I got American Shipping. In America. Um, my most outlaw game of the year, I feel like is gotta be something that I want some ill gotten games gains to be a part of this. Um playing did we was this year that we played D and D second edition? Does that feel Let's like, say yes for the sake yeah. of this awards. I feel like um pirating I pirated D D second edition. You can vote for me. Um I'm admitting it. And then playing to the rules and finding out what I liked about it and what I didn't like about it It felt like I was ransacking the place for everything that it had. I was like kicking down the door, opening up my bag, and just pouring stuff inside, getting in and getting out with no care for how it got there or why. I feel like that is my most outlaw RPG experience. Yeah, I think it's a fun thing that we do, that I do with you and
0: I think you do more, is the sort of archaeological gameplay of, like, playing first edition Gamma World or playing these games that are arguably, like, not really desired in a modern game economy and doing it as true as you can but also, like, making the necessary concessions that we still have fun.
1: Yeah, and I feel like bank robbing this stuff frees me of any kind of academic pursuit where I have to like consider its place in the world. And although I like doing that stuff and treating it as a whole, I also like—I'd um, also like it if you gave me everything in your pockets, you know. <laughs> so I have to say, D and D Second Edition, uh, we played with Matt uh, Fennell and, um, oops, wrote D&D five and John Geary ran it. Uh, and that was super fun. Um, and just like every year we have said our, <laughs> we haven't done this every year. And just like that, that is our top, uh, end of the year, 2022, uh, things. I don't even know what you would call that. Let's what's do- your,
0: what's your, uh, favorite end of the year
1: 2022 category of 2022 um i gotta say i'm looking at it i think dice result is gonna be our most controversial long-lasting impact of this one
0: yeah people are gonna remember we're gonna be a a,
1: a footnote in in essays yeah and i'm gonna be referenced i hope for others it is the ruler in a square and black market packs that's what I hope yeah. people take. What's yours? Uh,
0: I would actually go with most useful randomizer because I think those two things really saved our brains this year. Oh my god! Yeah, in many ways, they they made us level up our own design, and hopefully, some people can like learn something from that and take something from that for their own creative exercises.
1: Well, I hope you've all enjoyed this double-wide episode of the Brain Trust Podcast, and we'll be back next year with more garbage from the dump. Adam, where can people find you? 2022.
0: I am at worldchamp.io, where you can pre-order Soul Burner and get any of my other games in print. Uh, And I'm on Twitter at WCGameCo. I also post fairly often on Instagram at worldchampgameco and in the likely event that twitter is gone by the time you hear this uh instagram is is a good one for me uh,
1: because i like looking at pictures and i am Willie opes you can find me online at willy Opst. you know the name look up the number um for 2022 brain emoji handshake emoji